Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, Ross at my Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. For news channel, please consider subscribing and hit the bell icon so you're made aware of any time I put new content on. Loads of great guests, loads of obviously great charity stuff coming up as well. Every Thursday in September, we're doing our game shows. Um, we are well on our way to 20k. Hashtag that. Um, which uh, I'm trying to get hashtags trending. It's not trending yet on the way to 20k, but um, we're well on the way. So make sure you check them and hit the bell icon so you know every time we go live um, because um, they're really, really good fun. And obviously, it's for really good calls. Uh, today's guest, uh, lifelong fan. Um, we're just chatting beforehand. And he, he didn't have a bad first game he went to, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's Bill West. Hi, Bill. How you doing, man? Yeah, very well. Thanks for us. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Not too shabby. Um, how have you been in sort of this weird world we live in now? Yeah, I mean, um, sort of trying to make the, the most of it, really. Um, you know, I moved into my flat just as lockdown was sort of uh, announced, really. So that was um, that was a bit of a strange one. Um, and then been on furlough for a few months, but yeah. uh, you know, give me a chance to get used to my flat and stuff. So um, and you know, back at work now, and then you know, enjoying the football when it was on. And I've had to wait long until the new, the new season. Um, oh, exactly. albeit West Ham, I don't think I'm really looking forward to it this season. Oh, no, we'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> it I think, yeah, I think we'll be all right eventually. We always seem to uh, get results out of nowhere. So, uh, yeah, we'll yeah, right. we'll be all right. I'm still quietly confident. I don't know why, but I still am. I just... I just think it's being a West Ham fan, you just you just assume... You're used to it. Yeah, <laughs> the... you just get used to it. <laughs> exactly. And so you just get used to it. And it's it's, and I think it's it just is what it is. You know, it's we've we've never been any different really since I remember supporting us. Yeah, you have sort of your peaks, your troughs. Um, too many troughs, not enough peaks. But definitely, <laughs> that's about being a West Ham fan, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, someone said to me the other day they will they wouldn't want us to win the Premier League because they think we would change even more. And I can sort of understand that a little yeah, bit. I, Do you know I what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, you know, part of being a West Ham fan is, you know, fortune is always hiding. You know, if we had fortune, um, 
<laughs> we need to get a new song. Yeah, you know, the champions would be a nice song, but um, but yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Obviously, you know, we're recording this, and we got um, Newcastle on Saturday, and then we got Charlton in the cup on the Tuesday. So a couple of games to get us going before the. Uh, the juggernauts of the Premier League play. We play them all in the next seven games after that, but uh, we'll see what happens, mate. We'll see what happens. Yeah, definitely. We just don't know. You know, they put West Ham yeah. players, you know, even overlooked, you know, since restart, you know, they just pull out, pull games out of the hat, you know, like the Chelsea game and Norwich away. You know, we've never beaten Norwich away and, you know, put four past them. It's just such a West Ham thing, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen. But well, just hope, I just hope we get our, like, bad form out of the way in pre-season because you know Avram Grant when he took over in 2010 we had an unbeaten pre-season yeah. and we finished bottom of the league so it's not you know it's not the build and end of pre-season but obviously the Bournemouth game especially defensively we looked so out of sorts and I just yeah. obviously hope we get it right and, it, and, it, and it's horses for courses isn't it so like obviously came out of those two games that Tuesday double or Tuesday two for Tuesday games and everyone's like, oh brilliant that's it we're fine Pre-season, yeah. you know, we're looking well. And then the Bournemouth game, we lose. Oh, it's not about pre-season, though. It's not about the pre-season form. It's yeah. like, 90 minutes beforehand, we were like, that's it. We're all sorted. Nine goals. Yeah. But what I like about us, and I've always liked since even restart, is we always seem to have a goal in us. Do you know what I mean? I remember, like, yeah. God, oh, like, some, like, the Allardyce, a couple of times in the Allardyce eras and, and Slav eras sometimes, we just didn't like scoring, but... We've always seemed to have a goal in us at the moment, which is which is really nice. Might be might be conceding the other end, but as long as we're scoring them, you know, it's at least we've got a chance of getting something in the game rather than uh, sort of punting it upfield or whatever and, and trying to trying to scrabble a goal. You know, I think it's um, I'm still quietly confident. Well, Newcastle have just signed Wilson, and so he's bound to score against us on, on oh, Saturday. Definitely. He's already he's already, um, he's already um, bannering us already. He was really. I saw the interview <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. And, uh, and they're going to confirm Ryan Frazier tomorrow as well, I think. So, yeah, yeah that'd be fun. Ugh, I should have been all over that like a rash, shouldn't we, really? But hey-ho, hey-ho, we move on. Um, Bill, why are you a West Ham fan? I can see the shirt, but why are you a West Ham fan? <laughs> well, to be honest, it was quite uh, an easy decision. You know, um, okay. you know my, dad, my dad was born in Stratford, grew up in Plasdo. Um, mum was, you know, born in Stepney, you know, and, and eventually lived in Bethnal Green. So it was quite an easy decision. I was born in Whitechapel. Um, so, you know, not far from obviously West Ham. So, you know, it was quite an easy decision. Um, and, you know, my, my granddads were, you know, both West Ham fans as well. So, um, and we went to a lot of games like in the sort of 60s and, and so on. So, um, yeah, it was quite an easy decision. And when I moved out to Essex, like a lot of, like a lot of people in the early 90s, um, I've just watched them um, on, on TV a lot. Um, and, and, you know, the first game, first ever professional game I went to um, was the, the famous Bradford City game 5-4 in, in 2000 and from, from that point it was a quite an easy decision really yeah yeah I suppose you just had like that I, I always thought that game as being a microcosm of that era um, you know during that sort of red nap era we always had games like that but not to that extent it was like everything you had every facet of West Ham yeah. in that game and it was uh, no yeah it was a uh, well, well Ain't a bad game to go to your first professional game. You must thought, fuck, that's it. You know, this, if, it's, if it's like this all the time, I'll be, I'll be lucky. But well, exactly. yeah, I mean, like, no matter what your first game is, it's always special. But let alone yeah. that game, they'll, they'll always stick in the memory for me. And also, 
not just the result, but you know what happened in the game. As you say, you know, Shaka has not broken his leg early on. Um, you know, winning from four two down. Um, you know, you know, my mum and dad and my brother all sitting next to each other. And there was at one stage where it was like a perfected cross where we're sitting in Bobham or lower and not like fairly near the goal, and the ball ended up in my mum's lap. Um, you know, all, all little things like that. You know, Decanio and Frank Lampard arguing over who's going to take the penalty. Um, you know, Decanio wanted to be subbed, um, and you know, as I say, being four two down, and we win five four five minutes from the end. So just a, a crazy game, um, oh, and just oh, yeah. yeah. That went from there, and I've been my dad's a season to get older for the following season, and uh, yeah. obliged, yeah. Well, I suppose, yeah. I mean, that's it wasn't a bad time to get on board, really, was it? Because I mean, that whole era was just, I mean, it's always, I mean, I've always seen it as, as the most exciting era for me, just because it was, it was like a soap opera. Every, every game was like a soap opera, you had like. You know, yeah. I mean, the Canio, you had, you know, the young, you had these young sort of English stars coming through. You had an influx of foreign random talent. Um, you had like the old heads, like your monksies were still around. And yeah, they were and, that as well. And Ian Wright and people yeah. like that. And it was just a great time. Really, you'd go to a game really excited because you just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, that's um, what it was. It was pre- predictably unpredictable. And that, yes. It was a good watch. And, as we've touched on earlier, you know, we were always going to just try and outscore the opposition rather than rely on clean sheets and stuff. West Ham have never been that side, ever. You know, maybe a little bit under Sam Allardyce, but apart from that, we've always been look, defensively not great. Let's see if we can outscore the opposition a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So I'd much rather have, rather have that philosophy rather than just holding on for 1 0 wins, trying to nick a, a goal from a corner or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember. Um... Oh, I was chatting to Nigel Carnley and he just said, look, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about these sort of five fours. I think we actually were talking about the Bradford game. And he said, you know, but it's it's fun, isn't it? Goals are fun. And yeah. you want to be entertained, you know. If you win if you win five, if you win three two, is that that's better than winning one nil because you've just seen a lot more entertainment. And I totally agree yeah, with that, him. Yeah, that, no, definitely I'm the same. If you're playing season ticket money, you're playing match mm. match prices you, you want to be entertained you want to see goals you, you want to you want to cheer, not just grind out wins it's good every now and then but a whole season's worth it's not, not particularly exciting for you to go to a game is it no it's not exactly I just, I just think it was a you know we've had obviously we had um we had trevor on the other day and we were talking to trevor sinclair about that about the game and about that era and uh, and you know, i mean some of the stories you know it's like compared to nowadays you know you hear you know, to, I mean, we 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 recording this on Monday and obviously Monday night, and obviously all the story with Foden and uh, what's name Greenwood. You know, getting yeah. getting done. You know, it's like some of the stories Trev was telling us. It's like <laughs> it, this is child's play compared to what they were doing. You know, it's yeah. absolutely mental. But you know, it is what it is. But it's just um just that whole era you know and even before that you know you, we've had people like ian bishop and people like that on here and they've told stories about you know the drinking culture and, and they'd go out yeah. and get pissed and then train and it was just normal nowadays you know little you know i know it sort of beats you know covid restrictions but in sort of hindsight it's a you know a couple of young lads trying to get a couple of birds back to their hotel Basically, that's what they're trying to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot worse stories Jerry Sinclair and Ian Bishop told and Monks. Yeah, so, well, you, know, you think of the amount of players that just wouldn't have a career now if, yeah. you know, if, if they played now. You look, you know, obviously the players you've mentioned, and you think of, you know, Frank McAvenny, um, you know, even 
other teams like Arsenal, they had that famous Tuesday club, Paul Merson. He certainly wouldn't have a career now with all the yeah. what he got up to. So yeah, I think it just um, reflected that that era, and then now it's sort of obviously more professional, more fitness based. Yeah. Um, the sports science era, which yeah, totally. is, good, is good in a way, but you know, it takes a, a little bit, takes away the character of, of some people. Definitely, oh. I totally agree. And also, it just takes away the romance of, of being a football player. And you know, and I mean, you know, you, you sort of started games when sort of the early, early 2000s, and that was still, you know, an era where footballers weren't untouchable. Do you know what I mean? They're almost like untouchable now, you know, they, they all have, and I've said oh, yeah. it before. They always have penthouse, these penthouse apartments in Canary Wharf, and you know, and it's like you don't see them popping out to the co-op for a pint of milk. No. You used to, you used to see yeah. Shaka. You know, I used to serve Shaka at Safeways in Loughton. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> and Samasi Abu, and you know, I I had I bumped into Paul Kitson buying pick a mix in Woolworths, and you know stuff like that, and you can just really? still got these stories which you tell, and it's like I I don't have. I haven't got the. I don't believe I'm going to ha- ever be able to tell a story of me walking into a Burger King, and Sebastian Haller's ordering a Whopper. Do you know what I mean? In front of yeah, me, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's changed, and it's so. And that's a really that really sort of depresses me. But it, and I think that's why we as fans don't connect with players as much as we used to. You oh, know, I'm, someone like yeah, I don't know, Shaka, for example. Shaka's a good example. You know, he was at the club for two spells. I think it's probably six years something like that five six years you know really 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 fans loved him he got on well and you know two spells obviously you know look at another player someone like um, even like Cresswell you know he's been around for six or seven years and I've got the same affection for Aaron Cresswell as I had for Shaka Hislop and it's horses for courses but you know it just and I think that's why there's always a disconnect between players because they don't hang around as much you know if you get two years out of three years out of a player you've done well nowadays um it's a shame because i just think you know and the thing is anyone who does show any character they get ousted for being an arrogant prick you know basically so like jack Greenish, for example jack Greenish is confident he's a cocky lad but he's confident and because of that he gets highlighted you know i mean yeah he dives and stuff but it's like you know what i mean it's like no one has any personality yeah well, I think, and I think, what you raised a really good point, Russ. I think just about modern day football is just obviously a lot of the top players have entourage, just like film stars. So you good can't point, even yeah. you can't even physically touch these no. these people. And you know, the money they've earned is obviously is a lot more than the average person back when I first started watching football. But now it's gone to an even higher level, mm-hmm. where it's, it's absolutely ridiculous now. Where like even average players are earning fifty grand a week. I mean, that was yeah, like to what the top players earn. At, yeah. Went up like around 2000, that kind of era, but even just like bang average players who barely get a game, they get 50 grand a week. It's like, well, it's just it's gone the other way. Um, and yeah, I mean, the only, the only person you sort of maybe hear that you'd see in, in Morrison's or something is Marcelo Bielsa. So, and, that, and, and you know what I mean, and that's and it's quite sad, apart from obviously lower league players, you can hardly see a Premier League player do that now. No, you don't. You don't. It's a shame. But I mean, it's both, as you said, it's modern modern football in general. I mean, you know, you look at the difference. I mean, between interact. So, like, you know, at the at the old girl at the bowling, um, you know, you could get your your you know shirt or your program autograph. You know, you put your hands for the railing. Yeah. And yeah. Lucas Neal will come and sign it, or you know, whoever. Nowadays, same as every modern football ground, you know, the players come in for our coaches now, so there's no opportunity really to do that. And I just think, 
It's a real shame. Well, there's no opportunity now because you can't give yeah, it a two yeah. week. You know, yeah, unless yeah. you're in the red zone. I'm all, I'm only in amber when I go to a game. Um, <laughs> so I've got I've got a fucking chance of getting anywhere near one. But um, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. But then I suppose it changes, doesn't it? So you know, where you used to be really excited to get an autograph when you was you know, in, in the two thousand late two early two thousands, for example. Nowadays, if you get a follow from that person from your favorite footballer on twitter or a re- retweet or a like that's the alternative that's yeah. the sort of the modern day isn't it yeah um, or a selfie or something yeah yeah you don't get yeah because i mean yeah. selfies are just so like blase now but if you got <laughs> i know it's when like when when yeah you know, think when bish for example when bish like likes my tweet or whatever i'm like oh my god i'm so excited you know <laughs> and it's like you know bless him he doesn't yeah. realize the impact he made it's the same with everyone you know and it's, it's really it's the world's just a different different time now and it's um i've got to start getting off my soapbox and start living in the real world but um yeah it is a shame and doing doing these type of shows this this little channel you do because obviously people tell more and more stories and they tend to be stories of the older players and you're thinking Oh, it's just a bygone age now. It's it's and even me, you know, I'm relatively new in new myself for me. You know, two thousand. I was the early nineties. You know, there's people who have been going since the sixties, and they talk yeah. about you know being served by Bobby Moore in his sports shop across the road from <laughs> from the ground. It's like this is ridiculous. But you're oh, going to Frank Lampard Senior's nightclub yeah. and like that. Yeah, or he's uh he had a tailor's as well, I think. And they all had stalls at, at Queen's Market and, um, you know, Redknapp and Lampard and stuff like that. And John Charles had a fruit stall and all these all these great stories. But it's a shame, but it's just modern life now. As you said, it's just they're, yeah. they're uber professional now. They're on another level than they were. They're more like rock stars now than, than anything else now. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. But, yeah. Um, <coughs> anyway, let's move on and talk about this 11. Because I, I, I know from a fact, Bill, that you spent a lot of time on this. There's been yeah. a lot of heartache and tears and sweat has gone yeah. into this eleven, um, and I believe you got a, a twist in terms of a, a type of theme you've applied to your eleven. Yeah, I mean it's, it's similar to what some of your other guests have had, but for me, I've um, picked the best eleven that I've seen live. Um, so you know, the first game I said was two thousand, and I'm a soon ticket holder at the moment, so I've seen a number of good players. Uh, over the past 20 years, some number of bad players as well. If I could, if I was doing a worst 11, I'll, I'm sure I'd have, have a field day with that. But um, <laughs> picking the, I'm picking the best players up physically soon, yeah. All right, cool. Nice. All right, let's 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 start off in goal then, Bill. Who's between the sticks for the West 11? Uh, well, there was uh, a number of uh, number of uh, candidates, mate. I mean, they could have gone for, you know, Lucas Fabianski, our current goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, you know, goalkeeper, our first or Shaq Hislop, as we've mentioned. Um, you know, David James. Uh, UC Ascaline, I think it was pretty underrated. I think it was, you know, under Big Sam. But... Very untidy, though, wasn't he? He was. Very untidy. Yeah. Oh, and his shirt, I mean, he's, he was skinny. <laughs> and he, he, I see, I'm thinking, I don't, I loved him as a keeper, but he was untidy. That was all. So, carry on, Bill, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, but I've gone for Robert Green. Yeah. Um, so, I think for me, um, you know, it's a shame that most fans seem to remember Robert Green for. You know the uh, error against America in 2010 World Cup, and you know not playing for Chelsea and all that kind of stuff. But what a phenomenal goalkeeper he was for yeah. us. Um, didn't cost a lot of money from Norwich, but um, some of the saves he made was unbelievable. And just the real calmness in goal, which we haven't had since Fab- since Fabianski come. Really, let me a little bit of you see, but I think certainly since Fabianski come, we haven't had a really solid number one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think 
I think, you know, that, you know, great escape 06, 07 season in Carl Tevez, right, he gets the plaudits, but, you know, there's other players like Bobby Samora and Green himself mm. uh, really helped us. I mean, that unbelievable performance against Arsenal away where we won 1-0 has got to be up there one of the best West Ham goalkeeping performances along with, obviously, before I started watching West Ham, but Luna McCloskey against Man United in 95, was it? So um, that's got to be right up there. So I think, um, mm. yeah, shot stopping was great, catching, kicking was decent. So, yeah, I think um, really good goalkeeper with Robert Green. So but I think Fabianski was really, really close, actually. If he if Fabianski plays like he did in his first season for another couple of seasons, I think he'd probably be up there and replace Green, but mm. made a couple of mistakes last season. So, But if he could get up to that, standards he did in this person. I think Pam Bairns would probably be the best I've seen. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's a good point what you said, you know, uh, after Green, there was, you know, a little bit of not steady eddies in goal. There were, as you said, Yaska Lyon and Adrian. Yeah, Randolph. I mean, they were sort of, I wouldn't say a, a safe pair of hands. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I feel safer with Fabianski between the sticks than Randolph. Although he's a good oh. Randolph's a good keeper. I just think there's something about he's a calming pro you know presence. Like yeah, I mean, really. you look at Fabianski, you know, you know, if he didn't get injured, potentially oh, oh yeah. Um potentially could still be yeah, he should still be our manager potentially. Yeah. That's the yeah. difference you you know good goalkeepers make. Mental in it. Mental when you think about just that one injury. Um, well, it's not an injury because it was an injury and then a, a previous decision to not, you know, renew Adrian's contracts, bring in, you know, the, the, the other two. Um, <laughs> but but it's, it's crazy when you think of it, like a sliding doors moment. You know, it's like, you know, hindsight's a great thing, but it, we, we seem to do that a lot. And we've always done that a lot. We'll make a decision and it'll come back to bite our, us in the bum. So it's always yeah. like, you know, I remember when we sold Tompkins, and then we had like two or three centre back injuries where Tompkins would have played and probably played for most yeah, of the season. Yeah, it, yeah. It's always the way with West Ham. Yeah, so yeah. no, this it never just goes right for us, you know. You know, maybe maybe Grady goes and I don't know, hasn't is that West Brom have a stinker, he's rubbish and he gets pushed off the ball and you know, and that's it, and an eighteen million pounds looks really good then, doesn't it? So it's all it's all conjecture, isn't it? It's all hindsight afterwards. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, Rob Green's a great shout. And I love I love keepers who don't take themselves, or players in general, who don't take themselves too seriously. And Greeno's one of them, you know, just yeah, very well, unusual I, person as well, by yeah, all yeah. accounts. Yeah, and I remember a lot of times where, you know, he wasn't even near the England squad, even though he was one of the better keepers at that time. And we'd sarcastically cheer, you know, England's number six. And he'd, he'd hold up his hold up his fingers to go England's number six like that. He, he sort of, Agreed with us, and eventually, obviously, got his chance. Yeah. And he had him stitched in his glove, didn't he? He actually had stitching. Yeah, he had yeah. Stitched ones. That's it. It's brilliant. Right. Okay. Greenay's in. Um, you go for the team as you want to, Bill. All right. Well, I'll start off with the fullbacks, mate. So I'll sure. start off with the right back. I think, in general, this era, I think the fullbacks, I think we had some solid and solid defenders, um, but yeah. none are really outstanding, I think, maybe for a season or two, but nothing over. Yep. A long period of time, like you know, a lot of fans have been on like X, Dave, Nicky Hawkins, a few others have picked Julian Dix. I can't pick him, unfortunately. Yes, I can't course, pick Tim yeah. Breaker either. You know, those kind of like real, um, sort of mainstays of the side, we haven't really had that in this era. Mm. Um, so I've had to really chop and change uh, these players a lot. So but I've made my decision now. So, um, right back, so, um, 
I, I was thinking of Thomas Repka. Was thinking about him. Yeah. Um, you know, especially that season we um, 0506 season um, when he was changed to a fullback. Um, I, I think as a centre half, if it was all there, but right back under the Pardew, I think he was pretty good. He was close to getting in. I think Glenn Johnson. Um, you know, when we got relegated, I think he played well for us, but mm. he didn't play enough games for me to say he's the best I've seen. Um, I think Cole Jenkinson as well for a couple of seasons. Yeah, job, yeah. for us. Um, potentially as well. I mean, Lucas Neal, I think was a decent player. I think a decent captain by all accounts. But the best player um, or best right back I've seen, um, could say a one season wonder. Um, he gets picked a fair amount. Um, Sebastian Schemmel, yeah. um, he won, you know, Ham of the Year in 2002. Yeah. Um, I think he got a lot of money from a Mets, was it? One of the French yeah, side. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, he, he got scouted, I think, wasn't it? The uh, Inter Toto Cup or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then, um, yeah, I just, I just remember his marauding runs down the right-hand side. He had a good relationship with Trevor Sinclair. Um, and I think, yeah, just who's this sort of all-action, sort of more of a complete right-back, really, which, um, you know, I'd love to have someone like that now. Obviously, the season afterwards didn't play very well, like a lot of players, hence why we got relegated. But I think... Just in terms of the, the best season, like in terms of a right back, he, he's been by far the best I've seen. Oh, definitely. Um, I, 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 the other players I mentioned were pretty good, but I think he, in terms of a single season, I think he's by far the best we've seen. Yeah, and I mean, it'll be funny to cut, be a foreign based player and then also to be a right back and then to be hammer of the year that season. Yeah. That, that just shows you. And you're right. I think. I think it sort of coincided. I think he cut his hair, didn't he? I think he cut his hair in the summer because he had the headband. And I think in the summer he cut his hair, and a bit like Samson, just lost all of his footballing ability. He just like was a completely different player. Then he got fucked off to Portsmouth, I think, didn't he, with Harry? Especially that season as well, where we finished seventh, and then we had a number of players who scored goals and stuff. But our right back gets the hammer of the year, and we finished seventh. So I think that goes to show how brilliant it was that season. Yeah, totally agree. Right, Seb's in. Uh, and now, now he sort of now he owns a he owns a West Ham bar, doesn't he? In, in um, Luxembourg, <laughs> called, it's called Upton okay. Park. Yeah. Yeah, it's called Upton Park, and I will go one day. Um, right, okay. Uh, let's go the other side. Go left back then. Who've got left back then? Yeah, there's similar similar thing, mate. I mean, we've had some good right backs. We've played well for a season or two. I mean, Nigel Winterburn, I considered. Yep. Um, I thought he was well past his best, but I think he was still a good defender for us. Paul Koncheski, again, like 05-06 mm. season, that his relationship with Matty Evanson, obviously scored in the cup final yeah. in 2006. Um, I think if Aaron Cresswell played um, the last couple of seasons, how he started for West Ham, I think he'd probably be the best I've seen, but ever since we moved to London's Daily, he just hasn't been the same player mm. after his injury, so I can't pick him. Um, who else? Uh, George McCartney, very underrated player, couple spells for us, but um, he was the left-back in my first four season as Cintec LD, one hammer in the year in 2001. It's Stuart Pearce. Um, I think, you know, um, again, you know, a bit like Winterburn, who's a bit past his best, but still, you know, um, very good player, very determined, good tackler, you know, scored against um, Tottenham in the quarterfinals the FA Cup. Yeah. He was actually chucking it down. We lost, unfortunately, but, you know, yeah, um, we didn't have a particularly great season, that, that year, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Red Naps last season, wasn't it? And then, um, you know, I think we only finished 15th or something like that, 14th, 15th. Um, but yeah, who was, um, yeah, he was our best player that season, so yeah, he was. Uh, it was only, only he played for I think he broke his leg, didn't he, when he joined? So, um, 
through a pierce. So this is his final season with Biscuit Hammer of the Year. I think that's um, a good effort. So he's, he's the best I've seen. But those two players, I've said Shemwon Pierce, you know, it shows we haven't had a particularly amazing fullback since since then, especially in this last decade. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true, unfortunately. But I mean, we've, what I liked about Piercy was he was, and it was probably that sort of, we can't really, we'll be able to do it now. And I think Zabaleta proves it really. You know, you could get, not get away with, but you could put a 37 year old in, a 36 year old at left back in sort of that era because they're, he never got sort of beaten for pace you know there wasn't that really sort of now the pace of the Premier League is so rapid that you know someone like Zabaletta just got found out last year even even Cresswell who's who's he's he's, he's got found out so yeah it just shows how um, how, how quick the game's got it gets quicker every season yeah it's mental and you know it's so much so that's you know obviously they decided to put, you know, when we played Liverpool, wasn't it? They, they put in Gakir in, you know, to make his debut in against yeah. Liverpool. But it was just, it's just the nature of the, you know, the, the game now that the fullbacks are, in essence, auxiliary wingers, really. It's, um and they have to have the pace of a winger to, to keep up. Um, well, I mean, if you look at like Fredger, it's not being asked or anything, but if he didn't have any pace, I don't think he'd be anywhere near the Premier League. No. The no, show shows obviously how speed, how, how important it is. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Right, Psycho is in. Obviously, Psycho Mark II, so the original Psycho is yeah. David Cross, as I keep getting told. Right, okay, <laughs> uh, centre-half, centre-back. So we're going to have, Bill? Uh, well, I had a lot of options for this. I mean, we've had yeah. some fantastic centre-backs over the years. So the, the first one that's so obvious, this one, um, shame I couldn't see him a bit longer live. I did for Leeds and May United, but um, we're at Fernand. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, everyone raves about him and rightly so um just made defending look so easy he was comfortable mm. for his positional plays tackling heading um at, like i mentioned about rob green the real calmness at, um, at the back um and it's not a surprise the career he had as i say with leeds and, and Man united and, and england as well so um yeah as i said couldn't, <laughs> it's just a shame you know we sold him probably season two early um but you know, 18 million at, at that time was a lot of money, a lot of money. So, nice. um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, just uh, it's a shame we couldn't see him a bit longer in the West Hampshire, but yeah, fa- absolutely fantastic player. Yeah, I totally agree. You, you're right. I mean, it was that era, wasn't it, where I think we we sold players a season too early, you know, and it's like, you know, Rio a season too early, Joe, I think we sold too early, Glenn we sold too early, maybe not Lampard, obviously Carrick, if we had, we could get one more season. I mean, he gave us one extra season. So, you know, he said that he'd stay in the championship for one season. Unfortunately, we didn't go up, but it was our own fault. But, he, you know, we just had yeah. to be right. It's, we did tend to try to sell, you know, um, in hindsight, you know, with with, the, with current issues at the moment. Look how much we sold Joe Cole for. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Glenn Johnson. Yeah, you can mention every player we sold in 2003. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So you look at things and you go, "Mm, 18 million pounds ain't so bad, you know, when you think about it in hindsight. You know, that's that's my view. That's my view, but it is what it is. Uh, Okay, Rio's in. Uh, Who's Rio going to partner in the centre-back positions? Well, this is really difficult. Um, Again, we've had some really good centre-backs over the last sort of 20 years. I mean, you think of his brother, Anton Ferdinand. Um, I think, you know, when we got promoted, I think his partnership with Elliot Ward was really crucial. Uh, And then, you know, when our first season back, him and Danny Gavadon, again, who who I would have considered. 
Um, I think they you know both put on a good partnership. Um, you know, the Ginger Pele, G- James Collins. I was, if I was picking the most popular eleven that fans, so he'd definitely be in without shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, two spells for us was great, some great service to us. Um, Winston Reid as well. Um, you know, it's just such a shame about Winston Reid about the injuries, but obviously scored the last last goal at Upton Park, yeah. and um, you know he was linked with Arsenal for a bit, a bit of time. He was one of the better centre backs in in the Premier League for. A couple of seasons, but I've gone for um, I've actually gone for a left footer, um, Russ. Something that actually doesn't get mentioned that much by West Ham fans, even though he was, you know, England, England international. I've gone for Matt Upson. Um, so I think you know, when, when he when he signed for us, he was unfortunately he was injured. Um, but you know that 07 08 season, I think him and Anil Fernand were. You know, struck up a really good partnership, and he, he scored. Um, you know that famous winner. Um, Against Man United when we were two one down, him and Anton both scored. Upson getting the winner when we beat that unbelievable Man United team that won the won the Premier League and the Champions League in two thousand eight. So um, yeah, I think it goes a bit under under the radar a little bit. Matt Upson, mm. you know, in terms of his heading and his general ability and um, positional centre defending. Yeah, I think uh, he's probably the best I've seen alongside Rio. But the other ones easily could have got in. I think. Yeah. I think Matty Upson just slightly goes slightly better, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how people take different perspectives of different players, isn't it? I think Upson was one of those players who, when he was on his game, he was brilliant, wasn't he? And then when he wasn't, he was awful. Yeah. Like most, rest, most players, to be honest. But yeah. he, just, yeah. he never just got a good rub of the green, I don't think. You know, and also, you know, because he, you know... I just think also, you know, it was always... And I think everyone thinks people don't necessarily... People see people's career at the end they don't necessarily see it throughout and I think you're right that 07 08 yeah. season he was really good for us and then yeah. obviously then he wasn't so good uh, and you know Scott was you know, I thought Parker was the captain it was Matthew Upson was the captain and, yeah, and, just, yeah. and I just think he just shrunk a little bit into the background but you know when he was on these game he was he was brilliant he was a good yeah, defender. I was quite lucky because I didn't really watch a, a lot of the um relegation season under Avram Grant live I went, went to the old game so I didn't really see Upson and a few other players but it, I mean Gabidon went down after his injuries and yeah. so Winston Reid so I'm only basing it on a couple of seasons for these players it just shows obviously I have inconsistent whipping over the past 20 years very true alright I've got Matthew Upson in uh, let's go into midfield then you go through the midfield as you want to Bill alright I'll go from the right um, as before okay. so um you know, right midfield, I think, you know, Yossi Benyun was very close to going in the team. Um, again, mentioned the 05-06 season. It was fantastic for us. Um, you know, Craig scored a number of goals, assists, etc. And another one from that 07-08 season, Nobby Solano. He only spent one season with us, but he a few kicks and, you know, his assists and so on. I think, even though he'd been an established Premier League player, was still to get another good season out of him. I thought mm-hmm. we'd done well to get to get him. And, um, but, um, it was a very popular choice. I guess you've had him recently, Trevor Sinclair. He's my yes, choice. Um, you know, a number of you know, a number of spectacular goals, and you know, obviously the crop, the famous cross for the Cano's goal against uh, Wimbledon. Um, yeah, just it really gave us all for for the club. Even though he's like he's you know born and raised in in the north, he felt like a an East Londoner, even though he isn't. But he, he, do you know what I mean? He just played for the badge and you know tried his hardest and. You know, it, was, it was a good play. You know, he played for England, obviously, in 2002 World Cup. And, and even, he, you know, I went to the West Hamway pre-match event where he was a guest the other season. And, 
even admitted that he wasn't at his best when we got relegated. But even so, he scored, I think he scored like eight league goals, which was the most he scored in a, in a season for West Ham. So even if he said it wasn't his best season, he still contributed. And he was one of the reasons why we, in the end, nearly stayed up. Um, and just, yeah, I think he was just a really, um, just a really, really good player. Yeah, no, I agree. And the only thing is, when he signed for us, he scored seven in fourteen. So, <laughs> and so yeah. you know, that's that's why he always thinks afterwards because he had such a prolific. You know, I mean, he scored two in his in his debut as well. But um, no, I know what you mean about Trev about you know not you know not being from around here, but play for the badge, and he clearly loved his time at West Ham. You know, when he talks yeah. about it, obviously extremely honored you know to, to, to have interviewed him recently and um and yeah no he's just just loved his time there he's, yeah, he said technically he thought he played better when he was at qpr but he enjoyed his football the most at west ham and you you got a sense yeah. of that you know we resurrected his career really and again we talk oh, about we talk, we talk about players going cheap you know we bought him for 2.7 million pounds in you know combined you know yeah. 2.3 for cash plus dowie and keith roland not a bad deal, you know, so it's like... Yeah, I think we got the better of that deal. I think. I think we got, yeah, I think we, yeah. we stuffed QPR on that one. But, um, yeah, great man and just loves the club. And as you said, he he just gave his all, didn't he? I mean, he played right wing back, left wing, right wing and up front for West Ham. And every position he'd give his all, you know. And, and that's what I mean. Good players can just do that. Good players can play wherever they're put. You know, I hate players who, you know, obviously we... In recent times, we bought players who play a position, and then we play them out of position. But a good player should be able to play in any well. position. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, bless yeah. Antonio, he has a go wherever you put him. You know, he'll have a go. He'll have a go. You know, when he played right yeah. back under Billich, you know, he had a go, um, and and you know, actually kept recognised right backs out of the team because he was doing a good job. You know, and. Um, and that's what you should do. Any, any, you know, good player should be able to play in any position, regardless of whether yeah. you play well in the front three or, you know, you should just be able to just be a good player. You know what I mean? But um, obviously your preferences of how you play. But um, Trev was just immense wherever he played. Always gave his all. Yeah, okay, tricky Trev's in. Uh, let's go to the other wing. Who we got in the other wing then, Bill? Well, this this was such an easy decision. This was so um, you know Dimitri Payet. Um, you know, such an obvious choice, but, but he was probably the first name on the team sheet. It was so obvious. Um, yeah. You know, I think it will be a while before um, you know we get a player who is generally one of the, the better players in his position um, for for at least one season. Um, you know, I think it was twenty sixteen. He um, if it was that joint seventeen was in the Ballon d'Or. I think, like that, yeah, I, think, I think it'll be a while before we get a player that's anywhere near as good as that. <laughs> um, I think you know, obviously the. Last season, Upton Park was just absolutely sensational. Like, was, yeah. um, you know, the goal he scored, you know, the assist, his dribbling, um, you know, taking on players, just, just absolutely unbelievable. Technically incredible as well. Um, and and the thing about what make what makes good players from great players is they how they make other players play better. Mm. You look at Mark Noble played brilliantly that season. Manuel Lanzini yeah, scored a lot of goals. So. You know, it's not just him himself. The, the effect he had on the, on the team as well it was absolutely immense. And obviously, you know, we finished seventh that season, an unbelievable season. And, and it's such a shame how it ended with him because if he stayed in, the, you know, for the second season, if he'd left in the summer and spent two full seasons, he'd probably be lauded talked about to this day. But there's always that little asterisk against him, a bit like Marco Nautic as well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And it's like, but I mean, you know. 
you know, obviously we after the Euros there was always talk of wasn't it like, you know, Real Madrid wanting to come in for him and if we'd sold him then for sixty fifty million or whatever, you know, he would have still been revered as this sort of like oh, yeah. legend. Yeah. But because, you know, another three four months down the line and you know, whatever it's sour, yeah. he, he tainted his record. But say that, he's still like one of the most picked players, despite the fact that everyone goes, oh, people are going to hate me, but I'm going to pick Payet. Yeah, Everybody can, picks him. He's like... He's, he's like not pick it, unless the team like, plays, you know, if someone's in the A's, like, and Devonshire, obviously sure, I can't yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, in terms of... How can you not pick him based on the ability alone? Exactly. It's crazy. But, you know, and he, even at London Stadium, he wasn't at, at top form, but still, we, we relied on him so much. If he didn't do anything, we wouldn't score a goal. Yeah. I mean, that he scored that, that goal against Middlesbrough from the halfway line where he dribbled past... Essentially, the old team. That's got to be one of the best goals I've seen live. It's yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, it's a shame how it ended up with him. But yeah, just um, just just what what a player. Yeah, and we we wouldn't have had that season if it wasn't that season at the Bowling if it wasn't for him. Did, oh, did you, if we didn't have him, could you imagine we would have probably ended up about thirteenth, fourteenth, I reckon. Oh yeah, yeah, just, yeah, definitely. And so yeah. he, he gave us that, if anything. But um, right, let's move into central midfield then. Bill, who we got? Yeah, I mean, uh, a number of players could have picked for this. Um, any of these, any combination of these players, I would have been happy with. Um, you know, you know, our current players, you know, Declan Rice easily could have gone in. Um, you know, Mark Noble, um, you know, Scotty Parker, um, Steve, you know, even Steve Lomer. <laughs> so early on, in the, you know, the two thousands. But uh, the first name I've gone for is Michael Carrick. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you know, you know, his range of passes is, is absolutely unreal. You know, right foot. And he equally as proficient with his left foot, um, you know, just control games for us. You know, his positional players, the sort of more deep line playmaker was really good as well. Um, and, you know, and you obviously saw the crew he had at Spurs and then May United. And it even so, he goes really under the radar. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and even for the national team, I think he only played one knockout game for England in the, in the Euros and World Cup. Absolutely. He'd be walking to our team now. It's, it, you know, it's. It's ridiculous. So um, yeah, and he scored. He scored um, one of one of my favourite goals um, early on was against uh, against Chelsea under the lights when we beat them two one um, in two thousand one two thousand two. Um, and yeah, and as we mentioned, he stayed when we got relegated. And you know, I think he was in the PFA like first division or championship team of the year as well. So he still had to, you know didn't just go through the motions. He played really yeah. well for that season. Um, and if um, yeah, as you say, if, if we would have sta- um, you know got promoted, beat Palace, I think you could have stayed with us for another season or two. But you know, I think he's such a good player. Um, and as started, and you're right, he's one of those players who get he does get sort of thrown out in the wash a little bit. Um, you know, particularly, I mean, he just seemed. But in every team he's gone to and left, they've never been able to replace him. So arguably, no. we've never been able to replace him. Neither of Tottenham, neither of Man United, and no. that shows that shows you what a good player he is because you know you don't know what you've got until it's gone, and that's so true of Michael Carrick. Yeah, um, he made football as I mentioned about Rio. He just made made the game of football look so yeah, easy. Yeah, I know what you mean. Just you know, just not not lackadaisical, but just like such a, again another cut this calmness with loads mm. players around him. Just like just pick a ball, you know, fifty yards, and you know, right right to someone's toe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think um, he was he was such an obvious pick for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Carrick's in. 
who's going to partner in that midfield then? Um, well, this is someone that, um, you know, another academy graduate. Um, we played all across the midfield, played second striker, but I had to, I had to put him in, in my midfield, um, Joe Cole. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, one of the most naturally gifted players I've ever seen. Um, you know, just got you one of the rare players you could say where you, when you got the ball, you didn't know what was going to happen. It was just mm. uh, got your edge of edge you see play. It was a bit like like FIFA Street, that kind of thing, just full of tricks. And you know, I think um, that sort of went away when he joined Chelsea, but his end product possibly was better. So you know, you could say it worked out for him, albeit his flair went a little bit, but. Um, yeah, just you know, he's passing his passing, the goals he scored, his trickery, um, and I said the, the sheer excitement when he got the ball, when he you know, cared passionately about the club, was captain when we were relegated, and you know, it was good that he came back for a second spell as well. It's a shame that mm. obviously we got relegated, and if he never played for the club again, but he come back, obviously not as good, but still putting some steady performances. So I think. Um, yeah, I think he, he, he had to go on the team, even though he's not a natural centre midfielder. I had to put him in. Yeah, I, mean, I think with Joe, I think you're right. It's it's great how he bookended his career up with us. I think because I think you know he, by his own admission, he had unfinished business when he you know and he wanted to come back and you know his family are massive fans and he's you know he was just you could see what it meant to him going going back to West Ham and what yeah. it meant to us as fans as well because you know we saw this little boy grow I mean people knew about him since he was like 12 you know at West Ham you know it's mental yeah. amount of pressure on his air on his uh, shoulders and then to sort of go away and have this fantastic career and then come back and sort of finish it at Upton Park was 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 special and you know I think everyone respects him for doing that because it's yeah, yeah um yeah he's a lovely bloke right okay strikers then Bill who we got um, well, I'll go uh, first off with uh, my favourite player, and he gets picked a heck of a lot, and rightly so, Paulo Di Canio. Yeah. Um, you know, um, just uh, what what can you say about the man? I mean, um, you know, obviously being being a, an Italian, a, a foreign player, but, you know, just got West Ham immediately. Um, you know, obviously real fan's favourite, cult hero, everything, all of the above. Um, not just the, the goals he scored and... You know, but he's trickery, he's dribbling, he's doing that chop, didn't he? Which no one could really, you know, it wasn't the best coming, what was, yeah, yeah. what was coming. There's still, you know, and it wasn't best with pace, but he would just glide past people and yeah. leave them, leave them a bit like Robbie Keane, would just leave them dead, even though mm. we're not the, not the quickest players. Um, and yeah, just real, obviously real passion for you know, football and um, for, for West Ham as well. And you again, one of those players where you just didn't know what, what was going to happen. And he was, he was worth like the entrance fee, worth your scene ticket money. He, he, he was worth it just, just to watch him. Yeah, yeah definitely. He, he was, it was just box office, wasn't he? He really, really was. Um, and he was just, yeah, I mean, you were just excited, weren't you? Same as like Pyatt. Every time Pyatt had the ball, you would have this sense of excitement. Every time the Canyon had the ball, you yeah. had this sense of excitement. Sort of, and, and you just didn't know what was going to happen. And, and, you know, and I mean, we talk about that Bradford City game and I was watching it again the other day yeah. and how and how we sort of sat, you know, sat on the sidelines and, yeah. and everyone started chanting the song and it was almost like he was energised, you know, it's like... Yeah. I'll, give it, I'll give it Frank Lampard over the penalty as well. I'm going to, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, you know, it's like, you know, just these energy levels and um, it was just, oh, just such a lovely bloke and he, you know, I mean, you know, he's crazy and I think all West Ham... 
fans love a bit of crazy in their players. Yeah, love yeah. a bit of, you know, that's why I think for me, you know, people ask, you know, best players. And obviously for me, Payet was technically the best player I've ever seen, but Di Canio was the best player because I've got yeah. this little pie so chart in my head where you have like technical ability, passion, unpredictability, yeah. and that's what you need to be a perfect player at West Ham. And yeah, he had yeah. it all. He had it all. Yeah, and then his finishing for, for essentially he wasn't even a number nine for a, a number ten, a second striker. His goal scoring record was pretty good. If, if yeah. you're a number ten now, you're not expected to score a lot of goals. But at no. the time, yeah, I mean he scored a, a heck of a lot of goals. Like obviously yeah. Bergkamp being another one as well. So yeah, yeah. just yeah, you know, technically excellent and you know passionate as we've said. So such an obvious pick for from a striker. Uh, but set the his partner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.